This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. The Charlotte Hornets won their opener last night. We'll get to that game in a few minutes. But first, you need to hear what Miami quarterback Tyler Van Dyke said about the NC State defense this week. Oh, boy. Miami's only won two games this year. Brian Geisiger and I, we put out our ACC rankings each and every week. That's an original idea, Josh. Pretty cool. Do you call it accounting? And we... Both were in agreement that Miami, probably the second worst team in the ACC. So if there's a team you don't want to be hearing trash talk from, it's probably the Miami Hurricanes. And if there's somebody specifically on a bad Miami team you don't want to hear talking trash, it's the guy who entered the season as the third string quarterback on the roster. That is the guy talking. Tyler Van Dyke was asked about the NC State defense that is second in the ACC and scoring D right now, and this is what he had to say. Uh, NC State's a great defense. You know, they like top something in the country, top whatever. I mean, that doesn't matter. Um, still the same guys we played last year. Uh, put up 44 points last year on them. Uh, they have a, a different type of wrinkles on the defense, but yeah. Um, we feel really confident. Uh, I mean, I just, if we just come out in the second half of both both those both those games, you know, uh, I don't think they can really stop us. So, just start there. I don't think they can really stop us. We put forty four on them. If I'm a Miami teammate who heard the quarterback say that, I'm in that locker room, and I was a part of that team last year. I'm going up to Tyler Van Dyke and saying, we, we, you didn't play a snap. No, I put 44 up on NC State on that Thursday night, I think on Halloween night. No, 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 no. De'Eric King, he put 45 up on our defense, on their defense. Not you. We put 45? What are you thinking? NC State, see, again, want to go back to the rankings real quick. NC State, probably, I think by any measure, one of the three best teams in the ACC currently. I haven't heard an argument for anybody saying they're outside the top three. Miami is one of the three worst teams in the conference right now. You don't want the trash talk because a good situation for you would be NC State stuff happening. And in order for NC State stuff to happen, you might need them to overlook you a little bit. To not be, air quote, crispy when they step into your stadium. I think the pack is going to win this game. I think the defense is going to show Tyler Van Dyke what's up. And after the game, it's going to be a pretty uncomfortable post game for number nine when it's all said and done. A profoundly dumb thing to say to the media from a guy who's quarterbacking a two-win team currently. Darren Vott's going to be in studio in about 10 minutes. How about the Charlotte Hornets last night? And how about LaMelo Ball? I don't think it's too early, Robert, to start his ball-star campaign. LaMelo Ball-star. We need to start that because I think maybe MVP chance a bit too ambitious, even though there were some of those last night at Spectrum Center. That's all good and well. We're all trying to have fun around here. Let's start with making LaMelo a ball star because the scoring, it's going to be there. 31-9-7. and seven. And he wasn't taking bad shots. I think it was 7-9 of nine from 3, 11-23 of 23 for the game. Last year, when you look at his season stats, he was 15-6-6. Six and six. If you're being realistic about it, I don't think 27 and 7, let's say, is unobtainable. In fact, I think that's really realistic for LaMelo in year two 
to get to 20 points per game, 7 assists, 7 rebounds. Last year he was at 15-6-6 six, six, his rookie year. Here's the list of the guys. If LaMelo got to 27-7, and seven, here's the list of guys who reached those benchmarks last year. 27-7. LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Nikola Jokic, James Harden, Luka Doncic. That is the list. If you're 27-7, and seven, which I think is... You could go higher than that. But I think that's a realistic place for him to be. You're an all-star. Or a ball-star, excuse me. Plain and simple. And he's becoming a mega-star, Robert. Did you see his outfit last night? Yeah, I did. Woo! He said it was his own tailor who did it. Like, he didn't get it from somebody. They asked who his tailor was. He said LaMelo Ball. And he opened up his jacket. And it said LaMelo Ball on the inside of it. I think he's already a mega star to the TikTok generation. And NBA fans, they love this guy. To give you a sense for how big of a star he is, he's texting a friend of mine uh, who works with the Swarm. And when LiAngelo was first rumored to join the team, and you started seeing the stuff come out a week or two ago. He was texting me saying, I've heard from about 53 different media outlets who are interested in talking to LiAngelo Ball. Now imagine what that might be for potential ball star LaMelo. That's, that's who he is. And Fambo, it matters when you're talking about the NBA. This guy, what he wore, matching his car. It's kind of like the difference between the NFL and the NBA. When Cam Newton wore that type of stuff, it's a story. And people in the media, they're using it to fuel arguments for or against Cam as a player. In the NBA, it's as normal as it can be. Nobody's like, LaMelo is outrageous with what he's wearing, looking like a Batman villain or something. There's just a, oh wow, that's a nice outfit. And it's completely unrelated to the conversation about how good of a player he is, which was refreshing to see. He put the team on his back last night. I don't know how much you watched of the game, Robert, but they were down by 23, I think, at one point. And down by 21, they had a 24 nothing run in the third quarter. LaMelo started it, and he fueled it. He started it with a dunk, and then... He had 12 of the 24 points in that 24 nothing run. Had an assist or two to boot as well. So he helped the team win. That's the most important thing. The numbers looked great, and they were efficiently obtained. And then you have the flair that really puts Charlotte on the map as his parents were allowed to see him play in person for the first time wearing a Hornets uniform. I even saw David Tepper was out at Spectrum Center last night. I don't know if you watched any of it, but LaMelo's ball-star campaign began last night. Every time you say that word, I get less and less interested in this campaign. Like, I think that's the that's the most important thing with any campaign, like an ad campaign or, or anything, right, is that it doesn't get old. Well, it's already old. Ball-star is already old. Ask me what my, what my favorite no. Smash Mouth song no. is. I can't. I refuse to. It was a That's fun what they game. need to do. It was a fun game, but I and I'm down with him here being an all star. But I, you a probably ball said ball star seventy five times in this segment, and I I, I want to avidly root against the Hornets now. Fred Whitfield, if I have your voice, MJ, if you're listening to what I'm saying right now, halftime show, bring in Smash Mouth. There's a popular TikTok video that was making the rounds of Smash Mouth completely smashed doing a show. I don't know if you've seen that, but that's certainly worth your time if you haven't. And you have them sing All-Star, but instead, they're saying, hey now, you're a ball-star. While wearing LaMelo ball jerseys. That's, that's what the Hornets need to do. 
I don't know how you take anything that's like slightly in or cool, and as soon as you say it, it's like my mom getting a Facebook. I'm like, yep, I'm off. See y'all later. Wouldn't it be better if we get BDOT to call in and he starts telling us about the Ball Star campaign? I think you'd probably have a different tone if he was a if he was sure, behind it. Sure, but I think BDOT would probably say it like maybe three times, not every time we talked about Lamelo. That Smash Mouth idea reminds me. I remember I went to go see the Plain White Tees one time. They were playing in Greenville, and they had a thing called Pirate Fest. I don't think they told the band that there is a school in Greenville, America, where the mascot is the Pirates, which is why it's called Pirate Fest. So when they played the one song that everybody wanted to hear from them, Hey There, hey there Delilah, they sang it like Pirates, and they asked in the middle of the song, why isn't anybody dressed like pirates? Hey, thar, Delilah. That was a little disappointing. Darren Vaught just walked into the studio. We've got unusual questions to do. I'm going to put an intern Nick on the spot. Intern Nick, give us an example of an unusual question we might be answering in just a few minutes. Uh, it has to do with animals. All your questions have to do with animals. I'm behind it, though. So we'll answer questions about animals and more when we do unusual questions next on The Drive. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me! You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Sean Clark, App State coach, going to join us in 15 minutes. Darren Watson, studio. Last hour, we played unusual questions. Just minding my business hosting a sports talk radio show. <laughs> we got backstories to get into for a handful of things in a second. Then Darren asked me a question in the last few minutes that I felt I knew the answer to. And I think my answer is correct. <laughs> he asked me, Josh, is your mom on Twitter? And I said, no, I don't think she is. Well, then who is... At Josh's mom 65 that is tweeting <laughs> at us. So I looked. I wanted to make sure I was right. And I look at the profile picture. And it's of some woman probably in her 70s. What looks like smoking a big ass cigar laying there. And she has an unusual question. I love the bio. My son, Joshy, talks for money. That's right. <laughs> Joshy, at Josh Graham Radio. Joshy, I have an unusual question for your radio program. Why is bra singular and panties plural? Never understood that. <laughs> and why do we park on driveways and drive on parkways? Well, Mom. <laughs> Darren, you care to answer any of those questions? Oh, what a great troll Twitter. I have never even thought about being someone's mom. I'm I am this so is great pleased for your show, by this. Josh. This is great. I'm so pleased by they this. They follow four people. Me, WSJS Sports, Darren Vaught, and Adam Gold. <laughs> P1. P1. No, we got a P1 on our one, hands. <laughs> Who wants to answer Josh's mom 65 question? So, okay. Regarding panties, we like you wear pants. Those are considered plural. But yeah, see, sometimes from, sometimes in like you go into like a a like a a bougie bespoke menswear type place and they refer to it as a pant rather than pants. I don't I don't understand. What's the distinction? So I get it. I'm with you, Josh's mom. I have no answer to the driveway, parkway discussion, but I will say kudos to you, Mom, <laughs> for asking a great and certainly unusual question there. That's been an abbreviated edition. An, an addendum, if you will. Of unusual questions. I want to get into three backstories that I find interesting for three games you care about this week. 
Starting with the game tonight, I'm wearing my bunch of jerks Hurricanes tee. Same. Look at this. Look at this. I got a pullover on, but we We match. didn't plan this. No, we didn't. Montreal, Carolina, the rivalry that everybody wants tonight. And it started a couple years back when everybody thought that Tom Dundon was cheap because he wouldn't pay for broadcasters. Sebastian Ajo was a restricted free agent, so Montreal shot it shot as if Carolina wasn't going to match for the best player on their roster. And they filed that away until this past summer when Kotkin Niemi became available as a restricted free agent. Carolina gave him an offer they felt Montreal would be unable to match because of their salary situation. And they got him. Unlike Montreal trying to bring in Ajo, they got Kakeniemi. And the social media account for the Hurricanes then ran rampant, had fun with it. They even included a signing bonus of $20 as a nod to Sebastian Ajo, who wore that number, still does wear that number. Montreal media, traditional hockey media in Canada, got really upset, up in arms about it. The only thing missing was Don Cherry telling the Canes, you better not do this in the playoffs. These kids with trying to fun and winning. Might need to pull that drop if we have That's a That's not a bad Don Cherry, though. Thank you. Sort of impromptu. Well done. Then Montreal, in the last month, tattled to the league office about the Hurricanes playing only two preseason games, saying there was an obscure rule that you have to play in at least four. The Canes only played in two. The league acknowledged that the Canes violated the rule, but said there's no punishment for it. So now they meet each other on the ice for the first time. This is a great rivalry. I would love for this to become a rivalry because Carolina has faced Montreal a couple of times in the playoffs. Carolina winning on both occasions, I believe. And you're talking about hockey purity, air quotes, versus redneck hockey, which from a national perspective, I think would be a pretty fun thing to follow. So there's some backstory there with Toronto, with Montreal, excuse me, and the Carolina Hurricanes. As for a game on Saturday, Wake Forest plays Army. And this is the first time Wake Forest has played the Black Knights of Army since the Wakey Leaks game in 2016. It's been five years. Jay Bateman was one of the three coaches that received information from Tommy Elrod, the Wakey Leaks scandal. And Army used that information to beat Wake Forest in a tight game five years ago. Wake's actually done pretty well against the option, though. They played like four, I think, in the first four years of Dave Clawson's tenure at Wake, and Clawson never allowed more than 21 points against the option. So I I have a level of confidence that Wake's going to be ready Saturday at noon, but that's some backstory there. Jay Bateman now on Mac Brown's step, as is Lonnie Galloway, who is another one of those assistants that received information from Tommy Elrod. You might remember when he was Louisville's wide receivers coach. Some backstory there from Wake Forest and Army. Then you got the Panthers and Giants Sunday. Matt Rule coached for Tom Coughlin in New York about a decade ago. Everybody thought he was going to be the Giants head coach with their cycle two years ago. He was already interviewed with the Jets. He's a New York native. He was offered the Jets job, turned it down because he said... The, the ownership there said he wouldn't be able to pick his assistants. He turned that down to return to uh, Baylor for his final season there. David Tepper, though, knew that he had a Giants interview lined up and would not take no for an answer, would not let him get on the plane. The Giants were reportedly really mad about this and then hired Joe Judge the same day, like within hours of the Carolina announcement happening. They announced that Joe Judge was their coach. The reason why... Matt Rule couldn't turn down the offer. He got an offer unlike any other guy who's never been a head coach of the NFL before. Six years, six or seven years, $63 million. 
that's uh, a lot different than many of these entry-level deals that guys are getting. And owners were apparently pretty mad about that, but David Tepper got his guy. Well, Matt Rule getting hired has serious baby it's cold outside vibes. <laughs> like let the guy go. He doesn't want to be here. Let him like, on let no him baby, on the plane. It's cold outside. I got the fireplace roaring. Pretty cold here in Waco, Texas. In a little bit you're gonna be beside David Tepper snoring. <laughs> yeah, like I get I get that, you know, it's a little cutthroat NFL job wise, but man. Give him some space. Let him think about it, right? Second or third date make the move. Any interesting stories to add from Big South Media Days yesterday? Darren Vaught, who broadcasts High Point, of course. We hope to catch up with Tubby Smith soon. Next hour, we're going to visit with new Big South coach, NCANT's Will Jones. Any stories to share from Media Day? Uh, with that in mind, I met Will Jones yesterday at Big South Media Day. Uh, great to talk to, just sort of about you know, A&T entering the conference and that sort of thing. And he was he was waiting. There were a few media members uh, talking to Tubby when I, I interacted with Jones. And he was waiting to talk to Tubby. And as he told me and a couple of the High Point representatives, he's interested, get this, Josh, in getting a rivalry game started with High Point. Oh, I'm about To it. the point that they name it and have a trophy and everything. Did he have a suggestion he for didn't. a name? No, he didn't. Uh, he joked that he's got to get Tubby on the golf course, which almost happened to me yesterday. We walk out of media day, and Tubby and I are just talking on our way to our cars, and uh, he's like, man, we, we never did play golf. He goes, you got your clubs with you now? I was like, now? Don't you have things to do? He was like, no, no, no. And he was, he was trying to get us a tee time somewhere. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I'll have to talk to Will Jones about that next hour. DV, appreciate you being in here. Always, guys. By the way, follow my mom, air quote my mom <laughs> on Twitter, at Josh's mom 65 My favorite development of the day. All right, I'm out. Fresh off the win against 14th-ranked Coastal Carolina, the head coach of the App State Mountaineers, Sean Clark, will join us next. I'm not comfortable with this. This is not okay. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. I'll take however many points you'll give me because I'm calling for the upset in Boone tonight. Bryce takes a big hit, heaves it downfield, hits Williams for a touchdown! You're facing a great team, but the Chants have not seen anything like the environment they're going to get later this evening. Peoples. Breaks free! Touchdown, Cameron Peoples! Tied at 27. And I think Appalachian State is going to win this game outright. And now App State can let this run all the way down. Kick is up. And good! Appalachian State knocks off number 14, Coastal Carolina. And here come the fans. What a scene in Boone last night. And a great way to kick off Bets Bets. That one counts for this week. We'll get to the rest of them in a second. Fourth largest crowd in school history on a Wednesday night. And most of those fans ended up on the field. What validation for Sean Clark. Because not only did he get the job done, I think it was his coaching that might have been the difference. Those kids believed, and they had no doubt they were going to win that game. And that is a testament to Coach Clark after they got drilled by Louisiana last week. That's what I saw when on the first drive it's fourth and three and you could line up for a field goal and you decide to go for it. And then when you don't get it and it's fourth and two and it's still the first half and you're over the 50, you decide to go for it again. That tells your players you believe in them. And that's a team that looked like they believed they were the better team, and they showed why. Even though they were down 14 nothing a week after they got beaten the way they did, beaten like a drum, the 14th-ranked team in the house, and you have so much belief you're going to get it done. 
That is great coaching, great motivation. And then you had the onside kick call. It completely changed things. After the score, you feel like you might be getting back into it. When you hit the onside kick and it's a perfectly executed play, at that point it shifts to, oh, we're going to win this. We're going to win this. And the best part, Mountaineer fans, Coach Clark's here to stay. Robert, this is the coolest part about the entire deal. When you have a coach for a team you root for, and that guy loves your school, and he's not going to go anywhere. Not in the way like Eli Drinkwitz said that this wasn't a stepping stone and then treated App like a stepping stone to go to another black and yellow school where he's going to get drilled as long as he's there and take the money as long as they'll give it to him. No, Sean Clark, he's going to be here as long as App State will have him. And after a win like last night, I got a feeling that's going to be for a very long time. This was Sean Clark after the game talking about how this team believed and the criticism he faced after last week against Louisiana. Last week was tough, and there was some good criticism, some well-deserved, but there's nobody in this program that believes black and gold more than Sean Clark does. And if you see myself as the leader of this program, the way our kids were resilient and came back and won, it's about those kids, about this program, it's about everybody who's came here before us that laid the foundation for this great university. I know that's the stuff you love to hear, Robert. It kind of reminds me of what ECU had with Ruff and McNeil before they fired him because you know that Ruff was never going to go anywhere. And seeing those crowds and see it be in the group of five, that's what it reminds me of, what ECU had when they had it rolling. I mean, that's the best part about coaching, right? I mean, a lot of coaches will be like, oh, it's about the players, it's about morphing these guys into great young men, blah, 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 blah. But how many of them like really mean it? Like when you see a coach like that, and anytime I talk to him off the air, He's always talking about – he never takes the credit for it. He's always talking about his kids. And, like, moments like that, like Dan Campbell crying after the loss, like that's what gets me going. And you can tell he's one of those coaches. I think Will Jones might be one of those coaches on the basketball side, and he's going to join us, A&T basketball coach, in a bit. But as I mentioned, winning week last week went 4-3, and three, winning record for the season. Last night counts as a win for this week, as we mentioned yesterday. I got six more bets to hand out. Let's do it. Your attention, please. Please do not turn off your radio. Why? And two of the bets come from tonight's games. Let's start in Conference USA. Soon to be an American Athletic Conference matchup where Charlotte is getting six and a half points against FAU. I had to double-check and make sure I read this line right. Charlotte has a better record in conference, a better record overall. They're at home. Charlotte's getting six and a half. Is Lane Kiffin still at FAU? I'm pretty sure he's at Ole Miss catching golf balls that Tennessee fans are throwing at him. Coach Healy's an awesome coach. They do pretty well with these midweek games. They do well at home. He hasn't beaten FAU yet, but I think that changes tonight. I would take the money line, but... Just for this purpose here on the Best Bet segment, I'm going to take Charlotte plus the six and a half to beat the Owls right up I-85 in the Queen City. Put some money on it. In the American Athletic Conference, SMU tonight is laying 13 and a half against Tulane. Lay them and laugh. This is simple. SMU is ranked. They can score a lot. They're at home. Tulane's one and five. They can't stop anybody. They have had a really difficult year dealing with the hurricane, dealing with a few difficult losses. They gave up a ton of points to ECU, gave up a ton of points to Houston. SMU's ranked for a reason. It's because they could score. I have no problem with the 13 and a half. The fact that it's under two touchdowns, I love that. I'll take that. It's my second bet for this second. Put some money on it. Bet what you know. Bet what you know. It's good advice to give to anybody. I'm going to go with Wake Forest, minus three at Army. The Sharps, Robert, love the Black Knights. See a lot of national media types on Army this week. Not me. Wake Forest, never really been killed by the triple option. The last time they played Army five years ago, Army won the game, but it was a tight game. And then I think Dave Clawson faced this 
option in Army the first four years he was at Wake was 2-2, two and two, even during difficult stretches as he's trying to build up the program. This is the first time that Clawson has faced Army since the Wakey Leak stuff. Maybe some added motivation there. I don't think this team needs it considering all the stakes that are attached to it with Wake coming off the bye. I think in this instance, facing a unique offense, it's great that they have the bye week, even though Clawson hasn't done very well following buys. He's 3-9, and nine, I think, in his career uh, with the Demon Deacon. Lay the points. I'm going with Wake to win it, going against the grain from what national betting sharps are saying. Put some money on it. NC State. Another example of betting what you know. Tyler Van Dyke, that comet's going to come back to bite him. Miami's one of the three worst teams in the league. NC State's one of the three best teams. Like last week at BC, I love the fact that this game is at night. If it was in the humid Miami heat at noon, I might feel different about this. But the fact that Tyler Van Dyke is calling out the, the state defense that's second in the ACC in scoring D and... NC State, like Wake, has a lot on the line, and Miami's terrible, and this game's at night, and there's not going to be a crowd there that's going to affect things at all. Yes, I'm going to take the pack, and I'm going to take the pack to win by multiple scores at Hard Rock Stadium. Put some money on it. I haven't run these past you, Robert. You might hate these initially in the NFL, but these are the two I have. The Titans are facing the Chiefs. The Titans are at home getting four and a half. I'm going to go with the Titans here. The Chiefs, they can't stop anybody, particularly the run. Now you're facing Derrick Henry. You might think, Josh, oh, they have a short week. That's not good. I like the fact that it's a home Monday night game followed by a home Sunday afternoon game. We just saw Robert's Baltimore Ravens do this, and they had success against the Chargers. I don't know if they'll win the game outright, but getting more than a field goal, a point and a half more than that, I think this is going to be a really good game. The Titans very well might win it, but if they don't, it'll be by a point or two. I love the Titans in this spot. It's my favorite NFL pick. Put some money on it. And lastly, Sunday night football. Second consecutive week we're getting a dud on Sunday night. It's the Colts and the San Francisco 49ers. Give me the Colts getting four here on the road. I don't know if you've seen a lot of games at Levi Stadium, but it's not really that. It's at a tough spot. It's it's not that well attended when San Francisco isn't awesome, and they're not awesome this year. So I don't think there's going to be much of a home field advantage there. East Coast to West Coast, I guess Colts being in the Midwest, it's not as much of a difference, but they are Eastern time zone. I'm not worried about that. The Colts have been playing really well the last three weeks. I, I like the Colts. They blew out a team last weekend. Probably should have beat the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night. Got back off the schneid before that against the Dolphins. The Colts are playing really good football. The 49ers have a lot of issues at quarterback. The Colts' defense has been playing really well. I think Indy wins this game outright, pulls off the upset on Sunday night football, but I'll take the candy anyway. So to recap, sorry, Mike Houston. Charlotte plus the six in the hook against FAU tonight. Also tonight, SMU laying points against Tulane. Wake minus three at Army, NC State minus a field goal at Miami, and in the NFL, the Titans covering four and a half against the Chiefs, and the Colts plus four at San Francisco. Those are the best bets. Already off to a 1-0 start with Appalachian State last night. Any of those that you like particularly, Robert, that stand out among the bunch? Not really. I'd probably be scared off of the, the Texans Chiefs. Uh, they've been Titans Chiefs. I mean, yeah, Titans Chiefs. I looked uh, at that Cardinals Texans line, 17 and a half points. There's a bunch of those this week. The Rams are like 15 and a half point favorites. Yeah, uh, the staying Bucks away. Are like 12 and a half point favorites. Surprised you didn't go with Carolina. Only like two point, like isn't it like two and a half, two and a half, like their favorites. Yeah, I don't. I don't like laying points on the road unless you're talking about a really good football team. But they should win, right? They're going to win by more than two and a half points if they win, right? If they win. I don't think that's a given. I mean, no, no Kenny Galladay, no Saquon. If they lose, then they stink. It's official they stink if they lose. Robert's going to try and convince me. I think I'm going to stay away, but Robert has the Panthers plus two and a half. Mike Houston, tell the people what Robert wants you to do. 
put some money on it. I also like the Raiders at home. Only three points. I think they'll blow the Eagles out of the water. I have a stat that, that scared me off of that one. That's one I liked initially. Vegas is 0-6 this year as a betting, or excuse me, 0-6 under Gruden as a betting favorite, or I guess since Gruden's not the coach. Yeah, he ain't there no more, and they not, haven't played the Eagles yet. I, like so. Yeah, and the Eagles are really good at covering. It just, the stats there just scared me away from it. But Robert likes the Raiders, and he likes the Panthers this week. Since J.R. Smith has NCAA eligibility, I'll ask Aggie coach Will Jones if maybe he looked at the NCAA and said, ah! I get he was a pro, but maybe you could let him play in the Big South Conference. Welcome to the Big South Conference, NCANT. The head Aggie, Will Jones, going to join the show next. It is insane. Everybody is insane. What's going on in there? You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Basketball season, right around the corner. I saw something where Steve Forbes said yesterday they were three weeks away from the season opener for Demon Deacon basketball. And right now we're being joined by another triad basketball coach, NCANT's Will Jones joining us now. The newest head coach in the Big South Conference. I know yesterday was Big South Media Day. How was your first media day as a head coach? Hey, man, what's going on? Uh, everything's good here. Media day was good. Um, you know, first one in the Big South as a head coach. Uh, they, they, they laid out the platter for us. They treated the Aggies well. I heard Darren Vaught was in with us, as he is each and every week, does high points games. And I heard whispers that, you might be trying to stir something up a little bit, maybe start a rivalry game here between NCANT and High Point. Makes sense to me, since you both are in the triad, might give uh, both sides something to play for. I think um, anytime you have big-time universities, you know, close in the jurisdiction with fans, you know, um, you know, you should have unbelievable rivalries. And so I think uh, A&T in the Big South, High Point in the Big South, I think um, I think the fans will get behind that, and um, I think it could be a big time deal. You got to get Tubby out on the golf course to try and make that happen. <laughs> I got to ask him. You know, he's calling me. You know, Tubby's my guy. Anything can happen with him on the golf course. So I got to definitely hit him up on that. Yeah. What What should we be playing for, though? Are you thinking we need like a trophy? What are some of the things that we need to make High Point and NCANT, the basketball rivalry it deserves. We need something, man. We need a triad, a triad trophy. We need a Guilford County trophy. We need something that we can take away every time we play, and these players can have something to play for each and every time. So we got to put our minds together on that one. All right, yeah, we'll start to think about that as well. Robert, intern Nick, and myself and our audience, if you have any ideas, you can tweet us at WSJS Sports. How would you describe your relationship with Tubby Smith, considering the type of standing he has among coaches? He's, in fact, they just announced a couple days ago that he's going to be honored at Rupp Arena, where he won a national championship, and High Point's going to go up there, and they're going to retire a jersey with his name on it. There's only about 10 guys in the sport who could say they're an active head coach who's won a national championship. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's that dynamic like between you two? You know, all of the coaches in the triad, it seems like we have unbelievable connections. And But Tubby, that one's special for me because Tubby was the first, um, high, you know, big-time coach that I was ever to get close to. And I used to work his camps at University of Kentucky. And so, Coach, you know, for him, for me to even be coaching on the same sidelines as Coach Smith is mind-boggling to me. Uh, he's definitely a legend. He's a guy that I looked up to as a young coach and still look up to and call for advice. And definitely anytime he, he invites me to play golf. But, you know, to be coaching and being in the same city and being able to pick up the phone and call coaches has definitely been good. He, he's been really good to me in my career. 
Will Jones with us here, NCANT coach. They're going to open up their season at UNCG on November 9th in just a few weeks. Big out-of-conference schedule. You guys playing at USF, at Wake Forest, one I'm excited about uh, in Winston-Salem on November 20th. If you're wondering, that is a Saturday, but Wake Forest will be playing away from Winston-Salem that day. You got the return, the repeat visit with Stanford as you're going back to uh, Palo Alto after playing them last year. It's a big-time schedule, Coach. Uh, how much of these games that you scheduled are stemmed from personal relationships you have? I see UCF, Johnny Dawkins running that program, East Carolina, Joe Dooley running things there. When these games get put together, how much is it coach-to-coach relationship? You know, a lot of it goes into that, you know, um, you know, getting getting games and trying to make schedules, uh, you know, fit is, is, is tough. It's not as easy as people think. And um, the relationship with Stanford, obviously, was one we, we were able to develop. And uh, my relationship and working in Florida for, you know, numerous years, I uh, wanted to get back there and have our team go there. And, uh, you know, Coach Dooley, we were in the, uh, the Atlantic Sun together when he was at Florida Gulf Coast. And so those relationships do help you, you know, try to figure out this schedule because the schedule has really become tough in the last couple of years. Will Jones with us here, NCANT coach. I've got to ask you, I'm not a big, I don't think I understand the NCAA rule book front to back. I don't think I could read it back to you or regurgitate anything here. But have you spoken with either J.R. Smith or the NCAA to at least check and see if he's interested in being a two-sport athlete? You know, the NCAA loves waivers. They love waivers. And so I need to ask our compliance guy to put in this waiver so we can get Jr. playing in Club Corbett. You know, it's never been done before, so there's no president. They can't make up any rules, right? So we need to trigger, figure out if I can get a waiver and get him on there. I think he can help us a little bit. Are you joking with us for the radio here, or are you thinking there actually might be something to this? They wouldn't allow that to happen, even if the NCAA wanted that to happen. It would be all type of people on Twitter saying, don't let the Aggies get Jr. in the club because we get Jr. in the club, we're going to be making a big-time run all the way down to the NCAA. Oh, yeah. How do you think he'd fit in the Big South? I don't know, man. I mean, the guys won a couple championships. (laughs) I mean, the real championships. So I think he can help us out a little bit. Yeah, that's such a fascinating question. Robert, how do you think – in the in the Big South or any college basketball conference in that matter, if Jr. you just throw Jr. Smith, an NBA champion, on your team, how far does that team go, Robert? I mean, they're going pretty far. I don't know if they, I don't know how far they go, but it's gonna be fun to watch either way. I, I think national championship. I think you guys might be cutting down nets if Jr. Smith, if you get that waiver. Got to get the waiver, man. Hey, listen, you guys gave me an idea today. I might have to. Tell our compliance guy, let's get on this ASAP. Try to figure that one out. Get him get him in the club where it's going down. Will it's, Jones. He's talking about sellout every night. Every <laughs> night's a sellout in the club. Have you had a chance to speak with JR yet? It's not the biggest campus. Yeah, we've spoken a couple of times via the phone. He's out there getting his uh getting his swing on and, and playing golf. And from here he's doing a heck of a job just being, you know, being around and, and really being a college athlete, man. So, um, I mean, kudos to him. He's getting it done. I want to close with this, not to close on a somber note, but I remember the first time your name appeared on my radar screen was from Dick Vitale, who mm-hmm. we saw how positive he was amid the terrible news this week that for the second time this year he's been diagnosed with cancer. What's the connection there between you two? Because he's come on our show numerous times specifically wanting to talk about you and talk you up. I spoke to Dick via text two days ago and gave him, you know, my encouragement in terms of the fight. Um, And I know he's going to fight this thing, but I'm a part of his tree. You know, Dick Vitale, I worked for one of his assistants who, who was really one of his main assistants when he was a basketball coach. And once he found out that I was the head coach at A&T, he just wanted to support me as much as he can, man. And we've stayed in contact um, over the last three years, man. He's really been a, a guy that's really given me advice and, um, you know, t- tells me to go out there and give it all I have. And um, it's just good to have a guy like Dick in your corner. No doubt about that. Coach, it's right around the corner. 
The club's about to be packed. Club Corbett in just a little bit. Enjoy the calm before the storm, and we will chat sometime soon. Always good to hear from you guys. Everybody, go purchase those season tickets. We want to see you in the club, November the 9th. A&T, UNCG, the Battle of the Joneses. Let's go get it done. Love it. There he goes. That's Will Jones joining us here on WSJS Sports. I really want to know the answer to that question. If J.R. Smith, Robert, see if you could pull up J.R. stats. Was it last year or the year before that was the last time we saw J.R. Smith playing basketball? Just to see the numbers he put up, because I think J.R. is still in his mid-30s. He's 36 years old. I, If you just inserted J.R. Smith on a team that last year was the best team in the MEAC, now jumping to the Big South Conference... I think that is that might be a ranked basketball team. I, I believe that. That might be a top 25 ranked team. And at that point, of course, they'd have a shot to cut down that. So you're talking about a pro that started for a title team. Started for a title team. Has multiple NBA Finals championship rings. Like, what are you seeing when you look at the numbers of J.R. Smith? Uh, he hasn't played 30 minutes a game since 2016. Good. 40-minute basketball game? He could give you 25 minutes. No way. No way. I I think the, the grind of like getting back into basketball would be too much. Like I, I think he would play, but I, I, I don't know. It's fun to talk about, but I don't really think. It would probably get like be positive for them, but I don't know if they're cutting down nets. Like He's 36. 336-777-1600. How far do the Aggies get in college basketball if J.R. Smith is on their team? 36-year-old J.R. Smith. 777-1600. Before we continue down that path, I want to transition to intern Nick, who is still auditioning to be the unofficial mascot of the Wolfpack ahead of of NC State's matchup with Miami Saturday. The Wolfpack got it done against BC. Still very much in the ACC Atlantic race. In fact, some might call him a front runner. Intern Nick, take it away. Oh, Tyler Van Dyke. Hello, my friend. Same defense, same defense. You're still the same boring, overrated Miami team that has been in the ACC for the last 20 years. You don't have an ACC title. You're not the same. You think you're in the glory days with Frank Gore, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, Michael Irving. You're not, okay? You don't have a power five win. You barely beat App State. You lost to UVA and UNC. My grandma could steamroll through those defenses. And you're talking about our defense? Your stadium is so overrated, it's never packed. There will be more NC State fans in that stadium. No one knows where you are anymore. You're overrated, again, like I said, packed by a billion. Clip it. Pretty good. I didn't realize that uh, those are the only teams that they've beaten and they don't have a Power 5 win. That's, uh, that's rough. Second worst team in the ACC, I think. And it's probably not the smartest thing that Tyler Van Dyke is saying what he's saying. Later tonight on WSJS Sports, we've got the Browns and Broncos. Case Keenum, who I remember covering when he played for the Houston Cougar program, ranked in the top 25. Knocking off Larry Fedora's Southern Miss Golden Eagles before he took the Carolina job. Robert, this is his... Eighth team. How many of the eight teams do you think you can name that Case Keenum's played for? Oh, that's tough. I don't know. Uh, you said he's played for eight? Yes. I could probably give you six of those. He's played, okay, this is his seventh team because 
he had multiple stints with one of those teams. Actually, let me make sure I get this right. One, two, three, four, five, six. Actually, it's six because he's had multiple stints with two different teams. So, okay. Uh, six teams. I know he got drafted by Houston. Okay. Yeah. I that's know, right. Do you uh, want to give yourself a bell to make you sound good? No, because I'm the one that has to do the bell. I'm trying to think over here. All right. So, Houston, that uh, is correct. That's right. one of the six. Who's he play for now? Obviously, he plays for the Browns. I'm trying. That's to, I'm trying to go for where I know or where it started at. So I know he was with Minnesota, won yep. a couple games, uh, won the, a lot of games, went to the championship game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gets a new deal, goes to Denver. Yep, right? that's four. Then he didn't do diddly there. Mm-hmm. He signed with Washington after that. Yes, that's five. And there's a team. That I think he spent the the most. It is the Rams. Robert Walsh, six for six on Case Keenum. Weren't they St. Louis at that point, or were they? It was St. Louis, and then he was a Ram in 2015, the final year in St. Louis, and then the first season with LA. I liked him a lot when he was in Minnesota, slinging it. That was like the Adam Thielen early years when I was like a big fan of him in fantasy. Yeah, Kirk, Kirk Cousins went down in the first month of the season, and he took over, and they they got blown out by the Eagles in the championship game. But I think I have this right. Wasn't it Keenum that threw the pass to Stephon Diggs on the miracle play? I think or so. Or was that Cousins? Yeah, yeah. I think it was Keenum who threw that pass. Yep. Kirk's Nick, been there forever, though. Doesn't it feel like he he just signed there like two or three years ago, but he's been there for what, like five years five at this years? point? Mm-hmm. Nick, how far does A&T get if they have J.R. Smith on their ro- on their roster right now? Um, They're definitely going to the tournament. They're, they're going to win the Big South? Yeah, they'll win the Big South. Okay. They'll win the Big South. They'll get to the tournament. Uh, I don't know. I think when you start playing those bigger schools, those bigger Power Five schools, like if you run into a, uh, I don't know, a Carolina or a Gonzaga, if it's going to be hard. I would go as far as maybe an Elite Eight. Elite Eight. That'd just be so awesome. J.R. Smith, 36-year-old J.R. Smith, is leading the Aggies to the Elite Eight. Like he's Steph Curry. Um, it'd be unbelievable. I just wish it would happen. I really do.